Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello and welcome to The Ruck. We are now a rugby podcast without big live rugby to talk about. These are strange and exceedingly anxious times and Lord, do we hope that you at home or wherever you are are all well and not too thrown by the direction in which our world has suddenly turned. The good news is that we are still here, kind of. This is our version of Keep Calm and Carry On, still talking our usual brand of rugby and occasional nonsense. I'm Owen Slot. Barnsley is off counting his losses from a week at Cheltenham. Alex Lowe is in his stats lair, rewinding the Six Nations and putting the stopwatch on how long it takes Eddie Jones to open his mouth and say the wrong thing. If you don't know what I'm talking about there, can I refer you to last Friday's Times? Alex did a brilliant piece on Owen Farrell, the slowest place kicker in the Six Nations, and how he went over the 60-second allowance for all 10 of his penalties in the tournament. Really good stuff, boffin brilliance from Alex. Um, so that's Barnes and Alex. And as is the modern way, uh, we have Lawrence and Jonesy here joining us remotely. Hello, Lawrence. Hello, guys. You're piped in via Skype from Richmond, are you? I'm, uh, yeah, I'm piped in over the internet via Richmond. I, I thought it would be uh, uh, best to stay here. And you're, you're holding the chair at, uh, at News Towers. The sports desk is... is entirely working remotely today so um the absolutely the wrong thing is to call yourself a trooper because everyone should be doing that if they possibly can jonesy you're you're piped in as well well done yeah i'm speaking to you from the royal borough um royal borough of winter and maidenhead slotty incidentally a lot of people see you as a remote figure but um (laughs) increasingly that that was that was before the virus (laughs) and what now just vanished altogether no, well, I love you anyway. And I, I, anyone who says is that slotty as weird as people think, I say, no, he's a really nice guy. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, he's, a, he's an award-winning remote figure. Uh, thank you, Lawrence. Well, they, they, look, the judges have got it wrong the last two years, but I'll be back, as General MacArthur said. I, I, think I will well, return. I, I, I hate to say it, Jones, but three years was the word, was the word you were looking for there. But um, that's, it's oh, not yeah. Oh, sorry. Oh, oh, sorry. Oh. Owen, I don't know what's that? That noise I can hear of yourself patting yourself on the back yet again. <laughs> I'm not joining you in the ski slopes this week, anyway. I've been uh, I've been rejected by all skiing podcasts. Well, actually, as you probably know, pretty much every ski uh, ski resort is shut down now. Uh, Lawrence, you won't no, be I don't know that because I've I've never been to a ski resort. So how would I know? Well, you oh. might read the papers. No, I don't. Actually, it's, it's I, no bad some... thing. A ski resort without skiing is no bad thing. 
Yeah. So, Lawrence, you can't go and visit your um, your chateau in the in the Alps, then? No, 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 no. We're we're firmly in lockdown here. The world is crazy at the moment, and that's all you can say. And I'm not quite sure about the uh, approach being adopted, but if it carries on, uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure it's going to be terribly sustainable. Never mind sport. I think there'll be a lot of people uh, out of business and out of uh, out of pocket. Yeah, have you been have you been battling in the in the aisles of of the uh, Richmond Waitrose? Because um, apparently that there's there's fist fights over the last bottle of Chablis in there. <laughs> oh, well, I tell you what, it's no laughing matter. I I didn't think it was terribly serious until I went shopping yesterday, and uh, yeah, the, the the shelves are cleared out, aren't they? To be honest with you, it's uh, it's crazy. It, it is um, crazy, and, and it, it is it is the case. Um, I think I think the best email I got, or the best communication I got, I got an email from the chief executive of Sainsbury's yesterday. Um, I, I, I suspect that it wasn't just only me he was writing to, but just basically saying, "Hey, listen, guys, there there, there is there, there's enough for everyone to go around if you if you're prepared to share it, so um, and not be stupid." So there you go. I don't know if anyone else got written to by uh, by the Sainsbury's chief exec. No one's listening, are they? That's for sure. No, no one's uh, no one's sharing because. Uh... The, the shelves were absolutely decimated yesterday, and I'm sure that was the same all around the country. Yeah, well, maybe after listening to the ruck, the whole world will sort of um, uh, get it, get its act together and start behaving sensibly. So, gents, I didn't get to see any live sport over the weekend. Lawrence, did you? No, I didn't actually. There was uh, well, there, I, I, there was murmurs of some rugby league still being played, which was um, you know a bit staggering, really. But no, not, not much live sport at all. And uh, there must be a lot of very tidy houses at the moment. Oh, I haven't, got, I haven't got around to that yet. It's still postponing it. Jonesy, you did see some live sport, though, didn't you? I did. I was tasked by our, um, our sports test to find live sport. And I, I very, very briefly, I, as I reported on Sunday, I, we switched from uh, England and Ireland uh, in... Uh, sorry, England and Italy in Rome. Uh, when that was off, we then switched to uh, Ireland. Uh, Ireland's visit to France. When that was off, we switched from Wales to Scotland. We are all sat there. Car was all full of petrol, and then that was uh, that was canned as well. Uh, I then switched to um, uh, London Scottish, who were at home. Uh, that was canned overnight. Uh, I then got my press pass for uh, Ealing Trail Finders, who were at home to uh, <laughs> Leeds Carnegie. And uh, as I was doing it to, with Ollie, as I was making the call to get my press pass, uh, Ollie took another call to say that was off too. So I then went to uh, Maidenhead. Uh, in the big win against Clifton, of which I saw 17, 17 minutes only. Oh, go on. Explain why you saw 17 minutes and no more. Well, the, the maidenhead captain and um, scrum half, and fly half, who'd already uh, scored a few points and a couple of kicks, uh, I had to take him to hospital because he took a very nasty knock. And uh, he uh, had a compound fracture of his arm and dislocation. And so I had to take him to hospital. And uh, which and he's now waiting to have an operation. Christmas. Why? Why did you have to take him to hospital? You particularly? Well, a because I'm in like that, and b because it was my son. <laughs> um, so uh, who was the maidenhead captain? And also, I wanted to interview him for the post-match quote, so I had to stay with him. You know, joking, joking apart, it, it's uh, 
it is a really bizarre time and you know people are just combobulated and you know like Lawrence I found myself thinking blimey I'm, I'm now reduced to watching rugby league oh, sorry with respect to, to the games I saw but it is a very very odd time and people are whether it's in in their rugby guys or out of it are anxious and um, people don't know what's going to happen and uh, people would love it all to be restored quickly but I think they're also now realize that it won't be so um, there's big questions for rugby, big problems, but also I think rugby's uh, Freemasonry, rugby's friendships, and the sort of tolerance, and and the sort of let's let's all be there for each other that, that rugby's always had. I think that'll probably stand us all in good stead. Uh, in and out of sport in the next few months. Absolutely. Best wishes to to uh, young Duncan Josie. Thank you. I hope he um, I hope he recovers fast. Just w- just one, wanted to ask you two. The the, um, the end of last week was uh, was a really crazy time in, in this sort of coronavirus era when when there was this hysteria for cancellations and this game can't go ahead and Chelsea did go ahead. Wales Scotland was going ahead. Wales Scotland was still. They made a, a statement on the Friday morning saying this game's still at going ahead. And and then on, in the afternoon, they said, sorry, it, it's not going ahead anymore. Uh, there, was, there was never any government advice for anyone to cancel any of these. Did, did, do you, did you feel that that was a slight sort of sense of herd hysteria, if you like? Or, or, or did you feel that people were making sensible decisions that the government should have made anyway? I don't know. To what, I struggle slightly with this whole conversation because we're sports professionals. It, or, it, I say that in inverted commas because I know that you two will say the opposite to me. But anyway, I, so I, 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 I slightly struggle with this because I, I'm not sure to what extent we're qualified to, to comment. But I just... I just Found, found that a really weird time. Lawrence, what did you make of it? Well, I think the, uh, I mean, the, the one thing we have to remind ourselves is that there are, unfortunately, people dying of, of this disease and this virus, which, um, you know, puts our conversation in, into, uh, into perspective somewhat. But, um, you know, clearly the, um, the messaging is, is very inconsistent. I mean, the thing I'd, uh, I think I'd like to see banned most of all is social media, really, because, uh, oh, you know, I think it's created it's created a, a world of hysteria, uh, and I'm not I'm not underplaying what you know what we're dealing with here. But there's a lot of people um, who, for whatever reason, other people listen to, uh, whether it's their fame, their notoriety, their their, their intelligence, their their wit. They're making comments about something they know nothing about, and uh, and it's created this 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 sort of world of, of, of information and misinformation. What we really need is a is a party political broadcast, <laughs> you know live on national television on on the BBC or whatever station you want where where people can get a little bit of consistent direction on what should be done and what shouldn't be done because at the moment you talk to one person and they say one thing you you open one uh, one bit of social media it says something completely different and um, the reality is that the, that the sport side of it is is, is normally something in in, t- in tough and, and hard times that brings us all together but we don't even know whether we can, you know, we can enjoy our sport at the moment either. So, uh, very, very difficult to, to know which which direction to turn. And I mean, it, it, if we feel like that, imagine imagine how uh, how some of the very young people feel um, who look to us for direction, or 
or very old people who, who look to us for a bit of help. So it's um, it's a crazy situation we're in. Yeah, I, th- I think... It um, is, Lars. I, I, I totally agree about the social media because you see something on social media, you think, God, blame me, that's authoritative. And, and then you think, well, I, it, it, if that's going to be authoritative, I'll just see who the guy is who said that. And you find it's Mr. Joe Bloggs who hasn't got a single medical qualification to to, to, to his name. Yeah, or Mr. And, S. Know, Barnes or Mr. Well, a. Lowe, they, those two as well. Well, exactly. Well, no, exactly. Um, no, but Barnes, he's, got, he's, a, he's a trained first aider, but let's put it... But the... the, the <laughs> The other thing is, you know, I mean, last night, 70,000 people saw the stereophonics at the stadium where Wales and Scotland was meant to play, uh, which, which I just found absolutely staggering. I found it staggering that Cheltenham w- went on, but that's because I don't know. And, and the other thing is, people are now marking, making party political capital out of what the, the government, the UK government has said. Well, it's not the government, it's, it's specialists that they have there. So, you know, I think all you must be an out-and-out specialist before you dare to tell anyone what's happening. But, but the confusion is, like, the, the Wales-Scotland rugby match was off, and then the, the night after, Stereophonics played to 70,000. So... It really is an unbelievably bizarre time. Sorry, Jonesy, just to say, but my my uh, my private fact checker tells me that um, uh, the Stereophonics didn't play at um, the Principality Stadium. They played at the Motor Point Arena, which got a, a um, capacity of about five thousand. But it's it's still the same sort of thing, isn't it? It's still it's still thousands of people coming into Cardiff, the same city, for well, they're they're they've been in far closer contact than a group of rugby fans in an, uh, an open air stadium. So, um, but at, uh, wherever they played, they got absolutely savage for it on the, on the famous on the famous uh, free thinking social media. Absolutely <laughs> savage. You couldn't find one single fan who, who agreed with them playing. So, I mean, that's partly because of the scare stories, and partly because probably it, do, it does seem very very odd. And I think in the end. You know the Wales Scotland game was was called off, not because of precise medical advice, but because the Welsh Rugby Union felt incredibly uncomfortable being the only people staging a big game. Yeah. It was simple as that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but but maybe they would have been the only sensible people to all the. Uh, I don't know. This this this, this is all going to web into history. All that. Um, I just wondering for, for, from this stage forward, what what do you two think we should be doing with? Uh, the professional rugby season, the, the the Premiership season, the European season. That's that's um, well. The, by as I say, by the end of today, that those will both have been postponed, um, or they they like to say suspended. They're very keen to give the messaging that this is this is a, a temporary hold. Um, but uh, we we haven't got a clue how long that's going to be for. Do, do you think we can try and put? Put plans in place for resumption, and should we accept that some games won't happen? Lawrence, you, you're you're right in a club as a director of Wasps. What, 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 what's your view on that? Well, I think it's it's a very tough decision because, um, as you say, things are changing hourly, daily, weekly, um, and I don't think whatever well, whatever scenario we we come up with, whatever formula we decide is the, is the right one. Uh, there's going to be winners and losers, isn't there? Um, you know, if you extend the season beyond. The 21st of June, uh, it has implications for uh, the resumption of next season or the, you know, this, the, the start of next season, which then has implications on uh, the calendar for next year, which obviously includes the British and Irish Lions tour. I mean, in many ways, the, the Premiership's in a, in a position where the, one thing's already been decided, relegation. So, yeah. I mean, if things were to be null and void and there was no champions this year and, and one team was relegated, it wouldn't be the end of the world like it would be in in previous years, but clearly all, all I'm saying is whatever decisions are made, there's going to be 
some consequences for uh, for other people. And you know, the clubs are, are obviously um, financially going to going to be in a you know in a, in a big a big spot of bother. You know, missing out on a number of games. But uh, rugby's not like any other sport where you can suddenly just play a, a, a whole load of fixtures in a short space of time. So clearly, for um, you know, just just talking very mundanely for you know for every week that goes by without a rugby fixture i think you know the authorities the governing bodies are in a, are in a difficult situation in terms of how they reschedule them it's it's something like it's something like half a million quid that each club will lose per home game that they that they fail to stage is that about right yeah i think i think that is about right but i think you know what we what we've got to acknowledge is that you know every single sport and there's some that are way worse off than rugby is in the same situation. This is not something that's unique to our, to our sport either. You know, you think about the uh, uh, the football clubs up and down the land. Think about you know all sorts of different clubs that uh, that rely on ordinary folk to uh, you know day in day out to to mm. pay their bills. Mm. Jones, do do you have any a sort of a a thought on on how the season should be tied up, if you like? I mean. I, for, for me, it seems that we we could now have a season where we don't need semi-finals and Twickenham playoff final. You, could, you know, you could if you're trying to save weekends, you could get rid of two weekends in that respect and have have you know the the, the that old-fashioned thing of the person at the top of the table actually winning it. Not quite sure what you do about missing games. Would you just think we just play it by ear because we actually haven't got a clue where we are going to go? It's a big test for rugby because what happens is it's like when people are trying to sort out a structured season, you get around the table and then you have the international people with the international interests, European interests and the club interests. Not one of them will budge an inch. And I can bet you that, for instance, the Premiership will say, no, hang on. We, yes, we understand it's a problem, but we want to have our final. Mm. The Six Nations will say, oh, yes, but we're going we're gonna to lose a lot of money. First of all, I think with the greatest respect, they're going to have to forget Europe because that's one thing that possibly you can get by. Um, you know, the, there was no European champion this year. I feel terribly sorry for Premiership clubs, all the effort they put in. But, you know, already you see um, there were some internationals called off and already I, 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 um, people are saying, oh, well, of course, don't forget that before next autumn internationals, there's a free week before they start. <laughs> in other words, suggesting that one of the internationals that's not been played, they played in, in the autumn the week before four internationals, making five in a row. Well, however bad rugby's off, they still got to put welfare before sort of stupidity like that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think that... In a way, um, the top two, probably whoever's the top two when the thing is played out as far as it can, could then be allowed without a semi-final to go to the final uh, and just have a, a, some sort of um, end into the season. But very, very difficult. But not everybody can have everything they want because there is just, as Lowell says, there's just not time. So no Euros. I would actually forget the Six Nations and, uh, and 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 try and get as much of the Premiership done as I could, and start again next season. Well, one thing that um, we yet to discover again, again maybe by the end of today we we will is uh, what happens to the community game. So uh, in Wales they stopped all community rugby. Uh, I, I'm still at this stage not not convinced. You know, until the government says so, what why you can't play community games if if everyone's clear and healthy. Um, at some point, we're probably not going to be able to even allowed to go to a cafe or a pub. So that that point, we'll, we'll, we'll stop everything. But 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 while we're muddling through that, and how do you think the community game is going to be affected by it, Steve? 
It's going to be very tough. And I, I mean, I know a lot of people in a lot of clubs. I'm a member of a lot of clubs. And I think that uh, you're at the stage now where there's no other income. You can't say, look, you know, while the games are on, this all meet up and go to the bar and put money behind the bar. You can't do that either. And uh, I, I think you're going to get to the stage where clubs are just going to have to appeal to members, local benefactors, local businessmen to actually sort of send in money just to keep things going and to keep it all ticking over. You know, it's like, like the, old, uh, the old coal mines used to be kept ticking over when no one was there just so that they'd be, still be there when everyone came back. And, uh, you know, I know local clubs who are already going to ask for donations. So, you know, they, these great, great um, founding... Uh, venues of our game, our, our clubs, our rugby clubs, and everyone listening to this will have one. I'm sure that people will be really concerned about their local club and their and and and, and what it means to the local community, to the kids, and everything, and to their social lives. Mm. And just hope some way they all find ways of getting through. Yeah, you can, you can see just a raft of fundraisers coming towards the end of the season, can't you? Or sort of the end of the year, rather. When when if hopefully we could, we we're all up and running again. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. There was a, um, a lot of other kind of post-Six Nations news and, and, and noise um, to, uh, sort of towards the end of last week as well, particularly on the disciplinary side. Manu Tuilagi got a, got a four-week ban for his uh, non-tackle on uh, George North. Joe Marler got 10 weeks for um, whatever it was that he did to uh, Alan Wynne Jones's testicles. I uh, don't get to say that enough here. And then Eddie Jones, who called the referee, uh, insinuated the referee was biased, um, just got a little uh, little tap on the wrist. Uh, Lawrence slightly got this all a bit wrong, would you say? Well, look, I mean, the uh, you know clearly, which which bit's wrong? Um, you know, the, is the is the process consistent in terms of uh, disciplinary? You know, I, I've never felt that there is that much consistency. Don't forget the uh, the French tight head uh, got a three week ban for throwing a yeah. uh, effectively a barbed rule right hand. Um, so uh, flush to the nose of uh, of the Scotland players. So, you know, is, is that is that worth three weeks and Joe Marler worth ten? You know, I don't know really, quite frankly. Um, first of all, um, 
you know, that, let's just deal with the Marler incident. You know, I don't, I don't agree in any way with what he did. Um, I saw Stephen wrote a very interesting article in terms of, um, you know, how you wind players up and, uh, you know, what was acceptable 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago is, is not acceptable in the modern age. And, what, and winding up takes a number of different guises. You know, there's no doubt that a number of Welsh players wound up Carl Sinclair last, last year down at the Millennium Stadium. And Alan Wynne-Jones was one of them, by the way. But they did it in a way which uh, pushes, pushes it right to the law, but not, not beyond the law. And uh, what, what Joe Marler did was, was unacceptable. And he knows that. Uh, particularly when you've got a lot of previous uh, in terms of your own disciplinary record. I still don't believe that, um, that Alan Wynn helped him out at all. And I know Stephen's going to disagree with me, but I, don't, I think he, he, to a certain degree, uh, I was surprised by the post-match interview. Um, not surprised by the fact that, uh, that, it, that he disagreed with what had been done. But um, when, so, when the, someone as great as Alan Wynne-Jones says something like that, I think it leads the uh, disciplinary into behaving in a certain way, which is why I believe that uh, Joe Marler ended up with 10 weeks as opposed to something uh, a little bit more uh, around the five or six weeks myself. But there we go. Steve, do you think that, that uh, Alan will acquitted himself uh, well? I mean, he certainly hasn't had a nice, t- a decent time of it on social, that great thing, social media again, following those comments after the uh, England-Wales game. First of all, he didn't start the disciplinary procedures. All those people on Sunday newspaper deadlines have been in touch with World Rugby long before the press conference ever started just to confirm what the uh, alleged offence w- was, where it stood in the Pantheon. And in fact, we I didn't realise that there is a specific offence about, you know, inter- molest- molestation um, with, with your private parts. And, and actually, it says in there, um, regards women's, women's rugby, the, the breast area, it actually says it categorically. So we knew all that. There was definitely going to be a disciplinary hearing, even if Alan, uh, Alan Wynn came in with a mask on and didn't say anything. But you've got to remember at the press conference, um, I think it was about the eighth time he was asked a question, he admitted it had happened. He kept on saying things like, you know, what are you referring to? Can you be specific? He, he was perfectly in, 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 in order to say, well, look, I'm going to leave this to world rugby because he didn't want to make a, his own judgment on it there and then. But, I mean, Manu, let's be fair, Manu Tulagi, four weeks was about right. I thought Joe Marler needed a suspension. I thought six weeks would have been better. I thought the French tight head prop, it was about, it was about a three-week punch. And the only um, the only uh, uh, sentence I totally and utterly disagreed with was Eddie Jones's because he didn't get one. Uh, the others were pretty much the same. Uh, the fact that Eddie Jones didn't get anything from the RFU or anybody else offended me greatly. Can I ask the question of uh, when we're looking at Eddie Jones particularly, and for that matter, any other director of rugby uh, world international coach? When they make post-match comments, you know, sensitive comments about winning or losing or, or drawing a game, whose responsibility, whose jurisdiction does, do they, does that fall under? Because I'm, I'm not so sure it's not a conflict of interest for your own union to, uh, to give you a wrap over the knuckles. You're completely right there, Lawrence. So, so, so when, uh, say, Geordie uh, Murphy had a go at um, the officials in uh, Leicester's last game of last season... 
Uh, it was the RFU's yeah. own disciplinary procedures which wrapped him over the knuckles and gave him a suspension and a fine and forced him to apologise. So that was the RFU who, 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 were the, who were the judges. And now when it's Eddie Jones representing England, the RFU suddenly turn into the body that are defending him and, then, um, and, and therefore uh, give a completely different message altogether. Not only did the RFU defend him, but yeah. they, they then put out a press release saying... Um, Saying uh, we've apologised on Eddie's behalf, so Eddie didn't even make an apology. And the whole thing is very strange, and I and I just feel, you know, like like most things, it needs independent governance. Uh, a bit like the salary cap, uh, a bit like uh, a number of other issues, uh, disciplinary. You know, it's not the RFU's job to come out and defend and then to prosecute Eddie Jones. You know, they either do one or the other, and. You know, I'm sure internally there would have been a different conversation with Eddie Jones and the RFU, <laughs> and he may well have got he may well have got a slightly different you know telling off. But there needs to be you know Eddie Jones is not the first international coach to cause a little bit of controversy by his post match comments, um, and he won't be the last. And I'm not you know that, again it, it makes rugby analyse itself and realise that the structure is in place and, and 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 not fit for purpose at the moment. Yeah, I, I just think that the RFU should, just because they are upholding all the values of respect and integrity, they needed to have they needed to have done something on their own behalf. They needed to do just more than say, "Oh, actually, we don't think Eddie said the right thing there." I just think that was they were they were running away from their own responsibilities, and it was a dreadful message for the rest of the game. Yeah, it was it was the worst media release I've ever seen. Look, let's be fair; we we ought to be careful here in the media because we, we actually like, well, we like controversy. We like it when people are outspoken. We hate it when uh, people are media managed. Uh, but I, I mean, I guess there's a very, very fine balance there. And no doubt we ourselves have exceeded it, but uh, you cannot um, say the referee is biased. That's absolutely ridiculous. And Lawrence is, uh, is quite right. It's difficult to know who's sitting in judgment over who. But Bill Sweeney did say at a press conference not that long ago when he was asked about Eddie's transgressions and, you know, offending uh, Reese Patchell, offending Johnny Sexton's parents, etc. Bill Sweeney made it clear that he had the right to, to discipline Eddie and, 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 and would do should he felt he needed it. And then you've got this wider thing with with World Rugby about the, the game and disrepute charges. So... Um, it's, it was still open to World Rugby, but clearly there was a fix, a setup. Uh, the fix was in, and World Rugby refused to comment on it. And it seemed to me the RFU had gone to them to say, "Look, if we put out this release, pathetic though it is, would you please not take any further action?" There was a fit up there somewhere. To wrap this whole whole thing up, we, we're, we're now at the stage where, as as, um, as was made clear at the end of the Six Nations or at the end of England's last game, that is that. Um, Bill Sweeney, the chief executive of the RFU, is soon to be, maybe this week, I suspect, sitting down with Eddie Jones to actually work out what is his future with England. Uh, he's contracted for another year, um, and clearly someone needs to be put in place to go all the way through to the World Cup. Do, do you, what do you think? What do you two think about that? Do, is, is Eddie's successes with the team, do they, are they good enough to completely override all the rage and the noise that goes with it? Do, we, do you just say, listen, that's just, that's just part and parcel and, and, and uh, if he get, gives, us, gives England success on the field, then live with it? Uh, I wouldn't say live with it. I think there's, you know, I mean, the RFU have been somewhat in limbo in terms of their own leadership for the last... Um, for the last year and a half, they've wanted to add Ian Ritchie, followed by Steve Brown, followed by 
Bill Sweeney. And, and, in, the, and in the sort of meantime, um, you know, Eddie Jones has sort of more or less done pretty much what he wants, really. Um, <laughs> and uh, they've obviously recognised the need for a, uh, for a head of communications and, 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 uh, and media that has maybe the, the gravitas to, um, to help Eddie Jones to, uh, you know, to navigate through, you know, what is a, um, what, what is always a big story. England rugby is always, a, you know, big news. So, uh, so I think if, you know, whether they appoint Eddie Jones or not is down to performance and, and various conversations, but there's no reason why they can't put a framework around him uh, to say, that this is what, this, these are the aspects that we'll take care of and this is what you're in charge of. And uh, I'm sure Bill Sweeney, um, you know, recognizes that and probably will do that steve do you do you think that uh do you think that performance um is is so so, so far the number one that 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 other part the noise the the that that stuff that makes us feel slightly uncomfortable about the way england are rep- represented does that does that override all that i mean would if you were bill sweeney would you be um uh pushing the contract under eddie's nose and saying sign here no i wouldn't but uh, the thing is look uh, however, whatever we think of the way that Eddie Jones behaves, um, it, 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 it shouldn't really countermand the fact that uh, you believe if he should still be carrying on. But uh, uh, first of all, let me pick yeah. up a point Lawrence says, which I totally agree with. I mean, the last four or five chief executives, they may have been rugby fans, and, and Bill Sweeney may be a rugby fan, but they are not categorically not rugby specialists. And we have this odd thing of sort of independent the great and good coming in to, to form ad hoc um, advisory committees and all that sort of thing. A structure around Eddie, and indeed a structure around the England team, should have been established ages ago, which I would have voted uh, five years ago for Lawrence to be in charge of it, failing that someone like Martin Johnson, failing that someone like Sir Clive, where you could set up a, a, a structure far-seeing with people who've done it and people who are a bit more than rugby fans, but were epic rugby characters themselves with a lot of knowledge. Then, if you had some some in a sort of director of rugby or overall manager, management role, you might have some control over Eddie Jones or whoever's in charge to, 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 to get him to stop insulting people. You might have got a better coaching group than the one that's just thrown together with Steve Borthwick as skills coach and Simon Amor, who's who's a sevens man, uh, in, in attack and, and 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 to plan all that because whatever Eddie's done, the appointment of extra coaches and and coaches to the main panel is an utter shambles. It's mainly a a, a gang of Australians no one's ever heard of who keep coming over. So. The whole thing is a shambles, and Eddie Jones's results, which are reasonable, they're not absolutely brilliant, has uh, slightly got clouded by that. Look, it is a mess. Lawrence, you, you wouldn't leave this podcast in order to go and run the England rugby team, would you? Well, I'm not. I'm not necessarily qualified to run the England rugby team, but you can. But they, they've employed um, they've employed Connor O'Shea now, who <clears throat> the RFU, and I'm assuming that Connor will have a significant role in sort of assisting Bill Sweeney in terms of all things uh, high performance. The problem England have got is that, that, that those two words, succession planning, have never really been um, their strong suit. Um, never have done, and the way it looks at the moment, never will be. Uh, when you say, you know, is Eddie Jones going to get a new contract? Well, and, and one can discuss separately whether the results deserve that, and, you know, his results have been pretty good as far as I can see, but if not Eddie Jones, um, who are they going to turn to? Because, uh, Quite frankly, they've done, they've done no succession planning as to the next England coach. So they've, 
if they don't give Eddie Jones a new deal up to the World Cup, they're going to have to pluck someone out of thin air. Because uh, as far as I can work out, there's, there's not that many people uh, lined up to do the job. I suppose in terms of, if you're talking about runners and riders or candidates, Warren Gatland could be, could be made available. You, you, you could go in that direction. I think if you, if you, if you, if you don't go Warren Gatland, then uh, in terms of availabilities, then I think you're looking at the best of what there is in the, um, in the, in the English Premiership, and there are certainly some decent candidates there. Well, no, as far as I was aware, the original contract that, that Eddie Jones was given was to, was to bring forward a couple of coaches, um, which, you know, so that by the, got, by the time they got to this point in time, they might be in a slightly different situation. So uh, that, yeah. that clearly hasn't happened. So I think they've got no choice but to, to give Eddie Jones a, uh, a new deal um, and start succession planning now for what might happen in, uh, in a few years' time when Eddie does decide that, or, or the RFU decide it's time to move on. Oh, in uh, the last time, uh, what, I think what we're saying at the moment is, you know, in a way, I mean, I, I, I've, I've seen far better England teams than those who played under Eddie Jones. In win percentages, he's very good, but I've seen far better teams, consistent Grand Slam winners, teams that played better rugby and were more in harmony with the nation, which this team isn't. But, I mean, the last person who got a, a major coaching job uh, because there was no one else was Mike Bassett, England football manager, in a film. That was He got that job because no one else was available. And I think, really, at the moment, Eddie Jones' chief recommendation for staying on is that it's not another massive challenger, and that is a great disappointment. Well, listen, so uh, maybe more on that later this week. Uh, maybe that'll, that'll stretch on. We shall see. I, I just kind of think that we're, we're now in the stage where, uh, I'm, I'm sure you both agree, I, I, I would like rugby for, from what is pretty much the the, the, the sidelines of of this um, world crisis to to I think as you suggested, Jonesy, at the start, to be making the right noises, to be making people feel included, to making people feel happy about they, where they are in their community, if that's a rugby community, um, rather than disenfranchised. So, um, that if if that's remotely possible, I, I hope we 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 can go there. Um, we're we're in for some tough times, and um, uh, that's sort of where where we're going to leave it for this week. Um, Lawrence, some last thoughts uh, until next week. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, um, for once, I find myself wholeheartedly agreeing with you. I mean, the, that's a, the that's current a shame, climate. I'll live with that. The current climate is going to cripple a lot of businesses uh, and a lot of uh, organisations and sports clubs, rugby clubs. So let's hope a more sensible approach is adopted soon, because. You know, without sounding terribly dramatic, the current world response is, is no, in no way sustainable at the moment. And there won't be a lot of businesses left in a few months' time. Rugby, more than ever before, has got to uh, extend its, its arms around people in the right way, uh, open its doors and uh, respectfully, one metre apart, bring people together. Yes, absolutely. Jones, you're off to hospital with Jones Jr., are you? Yes, I am. Then I got my psych- weekly psychiatry appointment after that. Um, they, 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 I agree with Lawrence, what Lawrence says, but this is a time, you know, in rugby, the last, the last few years have been every day there's been something. Blast, blast, blast. We've all been asked for opinions. We've all got opinions. We fall out. The season structure, the way the game's going, the laws, etc. There's just never been any time to sit and think and work them out. Well, maybe this is an opportunity as we're struggling through for the people in the, in the game in charge to just reflect and then work out, hey, you know, without there's no pressure now. There's no pressure. There's no game on Saturday. There's no there's no big game the week after that. 
why don't we just reflect and, and try and be a bit more friendly and try and work out structures and try and work the game out, try and work the laws out. Now, now that we're no longer in, under pressure, but also uh, praying for all the people who are who run rugby at, at any level, uh, especially community level, but but Premier Rugby clubs too, uh, and and provinces. Uh, just pray that uh, they find ways of tidying through because. Uh, what we have and what we're missing now is something very, very dear to us. Absolutely. Well said. Thank you very much, uh, Lawrence. Thank you, Steve. Thank you, everyone who's out there listening. We'll be back next week. Um, please stay safe, be sensible, stay as healthy as you can and stay positive as you can. Look after people as much as you can. And uh, thank you for listening. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.